Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Now, To get a sense of what's going to happen, you have to turn to your neighbor and with a nice kind of smile, you just have to say to them, and you point right to them, and here's what you say to them, you're a nobody, go ahead. How many enjoyed that? You enjoyed that a lot, didn't you? Yeah. All right, just take your finger and point them right now at me and just say to me, Pastor Mark, you're a nobody. Go ahead, just do it. Yeah, thanks a lot. Well, what we're going to discover tonight is that's the only people God uses. You probably can't think of any media outlet that encourages and praises the nobody as a position to seek after. On the contrary, the messages are to be the best you can be or to seek your 15 minutes of fame. Even infamy is okay. Just be noticed. Pastor Mark, teaching about the life of David, will show that God's standards are vastly different from the world's. You'll find out that the boy David was from a normal family, the youngest son, and a shepherd, which was a lowly position. Because he didn't aspire to be anything but a follower of God, God could use him in an extraordinary way. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 1 Samuel chapter 16. As he continues his message, The Life of David. The first place we're going to turn is Psalm 78, and then we're going to be right back to 1 Samuel 16. So just get your hand up if you fail to bring a Bible. Turn to them, Psalm 78, we'll start with in a moment, and then... uh, 1 Samuel 16. We're in interesting times. We're in a transition chapter in 1 Samuel 16 between one king and the next king. How would that work? What would that transition be like? Well, since we're in a voting time here, I kind of want to give you what it would look like all those thousands of years ago with King David. There he is. And David, at the end of this announcement, here's what he would say. I approve of this message. (laughs) Unlike many of the people we see tonight that they don't approve, the next king was coming. David was clueless about it, but God wasn't. And the people had nothing to say about it. Because you're going to see tonight that God does things very different. In those days, if there would have been an election, and if the people could have voted in a king, do you know what? David wouldn't even be a write-in candidate. He's not on the radar at all. So tonight we're going to see that David was 
God's choice, that's all that really matters. Now, to get a sense of what's going to happen, you have to turn to your neighbor and with a nice kind of smile, you just have to say to them, and you point right to them, and here's what you say to them, you're a nobody, go ahead. How many enjoyed that? You enjoyed that a lot, didn't you? Yeah. All right, just take your finger and point him right now at me and just say to me, Pastor Mark, you're nobody. Go ahead, just do it. Yeah, thanks a lot. Well, what we're going to discover tonight is that's the only people God uses. So that's a good thing, isn't it? You're a nobody, and that's who God uses. So as we begin, I've asked you to turn to Psalm 78, but I want to show you this verse first of how things begin to change. But now your kingdom speaking of Saul, will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him leader of the people because you have not kept the Lord's command. See, David didn't run for election. God sovereignly chose him. Now, Psalm 78, verses 70 and 71 say this. He chose David, his servant, speaking of God, and he took him from the sheep pens, from tending the sheep, he brought him to be the shepherd of his people Jacob, of Israel, his inheritance. You talk about a dream story. You see, today we're unfamiliar with shepherds too much, but shepherds were the lowest of the low. They were not respected at all. And in this verse, God takes somebody from the lowest of the low jobs and makes him a shepherd, the king of the nation of Israel, the most respected, the most important human relationship, position, and who did it? God, in a heartbeat. And you're going to see how that works. So chapter 16, if you'll turn there for Samuel, is a chapter of transition. God is going to appoint this new king over the nation of Israel because Saul is, well, he isn't finished yet, but he is really finished. He's it's kind of like Satan is today. Saul's been defeated. He's been replaced same as Satan has, but Satan's still around for a while, but God's in control of it all. You're going to see for around another 25 years, Saul is still king, but he's really over with. It's, it's finished. So it's not only a chapter of transition, it's a great chapter of contrast. The young life of a humble shepherd, David, versus the self-willed life of King Saul. Great contrast. And then, just to remind you of how important this is, chapter 16 is a chapter of hope. Why? Because when we get to the New Testament, we discover that Matthew tells us, plus others, that the Messiah will come through the lineage of David. So it's important we understand how this all took place. First Samuel 16, verse 1. Remember, Samuel is the prophet, an amazing prophet, a godly man, 
And the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul? Since I have rejected him as king over Israel. Now fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. Now, why was Samuel mourning when he already knew that God was through using him? I thought a lot about that this week. You see, Samuel was a prophet. And Samuel, I believe he was mourning the wasted life the wasted potential of King Saul. We learned that God would have kept the kingdom in his family forever. So it is hard for a pastor, myself, a leader, a parent, to see a people or a child who have such great potential for God to waste it because their life is carnal and powered by sin rather than yielded to God. We were reminded that God created each of us in this room with amazing potential. And then he equipped us by changing our wonder and then empowering us so that we could reach that potential. We learned that God has a part and we have a part to play. In Saul's life, God played that part. Saul failed it. That's what happened. Saul didn't obey. Saul didn't commit to a life of following God. And really, Saul didn't fear God as we learned that we should have respect and awe and reverence for God. Saul didn't do that. He was more interested in the people and what they thought of him than what God did. So what really happened is Saul's potential is over. That's sad. That's why the morning. But we'll see later that as Samuel was grieving, God begins to speak to his heart. Actually, he reproves him. Now, is there a time for grieving in our lives? Yes, there is. Let me read it to you. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 4. There is a time to weep. There's a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn. And I think it's interesting, right after the time to mourn, it says there's a time to dance. You see, maybe you're here, and I'm not talking about mourning for a funeral or a loss of a loved one. That's another whole side of the story, but there is some truth to that as I present this in an overall sentence. Maybe you're mourning over personal failure. Maybe you're mourning over a bad decision in your life. We've all been there. Well, let me just remind you that spilled milk, those of you that have kids at home, spilled milk is what? It's uh, spilled milk. What are you going to do with it? You got to clean it up and what? Give them another glass and move on. Cross bridges. Cross them. Come on. Get get over the bridge. Keep moving. What else are you going to do? So if you're here tonight and your mind is constantly fussing because you you blew it, You sinned against God, or you just simply made a bad decision, and you're mourning over that, and you're beating yourself over it. I think what God wants to say to you is he's going to say pretty much to uh, to Samuel tonight, if it's a sin, ask forgiveness and get on with it. 
If it was a mistake, realize who you are. You already said you're nobody. What's the problem? Just move past it. Move past it. We're not perfect. We all blow it, all of us. Life is simply too short to be living in the past. So the first thing I want you to write tonight is this. Quit living in the past and go forward. That's really what, that's really what God says to the prophet. He says to him, quit thinking about Saul. There's amazing potential coming at the end of this day. You're going to have a privilege of anointing the next king of Israel. And they'll be studied about this man forever. So Samuel, get over the fall of Saul because God says, my work goes on. My work goes on. God always has an eternal plan that will be fulfilled. Now understand that God's all-knowing. So he already knew that Saul was going to fail. And yet he gave Saul a chance. He made him the first king. But he already knew. So it isn't like God looks down one day and he goes, oh, my goodness, Saul failed. What am I? Let's see, who do I have out there? It was already decided. He already knew. So in all of our lives, just remember the sovereignty of God plays into this big. So God says to Samuel, come on. Go to Bethlehem and anoint one of the sons of Jesse that I've chosen as king. Now, notice at this point, Samuel doesn't know who that is. Just enough to get him started. Go. Go forward. Go to Bethlehem. Quit mourning. Let's move on. If you fail, cut it out. Get past it. Ask forgiveness if you need to and move on. Life's too short. Now, look at the next verse. And the Lord said to Samuel, (laughs) how long? Nope, not there. Let me go one more. By the way, I want you to read that because I want you to see how many eyes in that verse. So let's see who's making the decision. Just take a look at that verse. I won't read it again. How many eyes do you see in that first verse already? Those eyes are all whose? God's. So that's that sovereignty of God. He's got a plan. It's already anointed. It's already ready. And he has... He has all the details worked out. Samuel just knows to obey the first one, to go, to go to Bethlehem. Think about through the Bible, the sovereignty of God. God always makes the first move. So God chose Abraham. Abraham was part of a pagan family. God chose Moses, a failure, 40 years before. God chose The Apostle Paul, who was a hater of Jesus. And by the way, you talk about nobodies. God chose the 12 disciples, a group of nobodies, just like you and me. By the way, God has chosen you. Second thing you want to write, this should encourage you tonight. God has a plan for your life. Discover it. That's where the exciting thing comes. He has a unique plan for your life. We talked about this weekend status quo. Don't just sit where you're at. Ask God, God, what can you do? And by the way, his plan for our life is never about us. It's always about him extending the kingdom of God. Well, verse 2, Samuel responds with this little bit of correction from God. Well, how can I go? Saul will hear about it and he'll kill me. So immediately, Samuel begins the what? He begins a game that you're very familiar with and I'm very familiar with. 
But what if? What if I take a step of faith? God, what if? We've all been there. So you don't want to be, you don't want to be too hard. You don't want to be too hard on Samuel because some of you played that game this week. Remember a couple of weeks ago, we challenged you to give. What if I give? What's it going to look like? So here's that what if game. He's a little afraid to step out. And usually the what ifs are about fear. They're not about faith. He's not saying what if, what if you don't show me who the guy is? No, he's worried about his own self. How can I go? Because Saul, who's still king, big guy, lots of power, will hear about it and he'll kill me. If Saul knows that I'm going to anoint another king, he's clueless at the moment. If he hears, I'm toast. I mean, it's a good statement, really. And he's trying to work himself through it. So how does God respond? The Lord said, here's the answer. Notice he doesn't say, Samuel, what's wrong with you? He just says, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. And I'll explain that in a moment. Samuel, being afraid of King Saul, well, what was the mistake? If God tells us to go ahead, we have to learn to trust him. Regardless, because he knows we don't know what's ahead. Do you know the what if games very often? Nothing ever happens with the what if games. All the fears that we have never really happen. And by the way, some of them that do happen, we couldn't do anything about anyway. So write this next statement down because it, it was for Samuel and it's for you and I. God knows all the what ifs of our life. Simply trust and obey him. Don't stand around making those questions all the time. You see, what was Saul afraid of? Interesting, Proverbs 29, 25 says, Fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. Samuel was afraid of man, Saul. Samuel should have understood by obeying God, his trust and protection was in God, not man. Don't fear man tonight. We're to fear God and trust him by stepping out in obedience. God will make sure all the plans take place. So God had a little part here with Samuel. Charles Stanley has a great statement. If you listen to him, watch him teach, he says this a lot. Here's his, probably his number one statement. He says this, obey God and leave all the consequences to him. That's what God's saying to Samuel. No, just obey me. I'll take care of the consequences. And maybe you're out there tonight. And God's told you to step forward. And you're a little fearful. No, obey God and leave all the consequences to him. He'll work it out. He will work it out. Your plans, if they're God's plans, will succeed. Absolutely. Just step out. Let God take care of it. Now, what was God saying to Samuel in verse 2? Was was he kind of saying to Samuel, well, just give him a little white lie. Just give him a little, just take a heifer and kind of make it a deceitful kind of thing that you're going down there. Now, listen to this. William McDonald says it good, and I think it's really good. Secrecy is not the same thing as deceit. God was not telling Samuel to lie about his intentions in Bethlehem. He really did offer a sacrifice there. But the anointing of the new king was a secret affair, not to be made public for many years. You see, there's sometimes... If you would ask me about certain things that happen behind closed doors or whatever, some of those things I can't tell you about. 
And that's not deceitfulness. That's just, you don't need to know about some of those things. Parents very often talk about things. They can't tell all the children about all those things. So that's all that was happening here. It was not the time for the whole world to know that King David was going to be there. So it was kind of a secret thing. So by performing the anointing in Bethlehem, while officiating a sacrifice, there wouldn't be the suspicion from Saul. What's he going down there? We'll learn later. Bethlehem is not in the normal circuit where Samuel would go and offer sacrifice. It's outside of that circuit. So that wouldn't raise all this kind of thing when he finds out that he is taking a heifer there. Well, I guess God told him to go there to do whatever. And he did. And that's why he's going there. So the anointing, which you're going to see later, is really understood probably only by David and Samuel. The rest of the family doesn't seem to really get it. It won't raise that suspicion of Saul. Now, look at verse 3. God continues, invite Jesse to the sacrifice. By the way, this is important. This isn't written down from God. Samuel doesn't get up in the morning and have an email from God with all these things. God is talking to Samuel. My sheep know my voice. Powerful. Powerful. So invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I'll show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I, there's another I, I indicate the sovereignty of God. Now, what did God promise to do? Let me ask you a little question as we move through. What did God promise to do when Samuel arrived at Jesse's house? Did God make any promises to him? Hello? Are you, are you asleep or are you out there? Did God make any promises? What did he say? I will what? I'll show you the what? The next step. Some of you tonight are going, well, what if uh, I do that step? Then, then what if? What's God saying to us tonight? I'll show you when you get there. He already knows what it is. But see, that's not walking by sight. That's walking by what? Faith. God is only pleased when we walk by faith. Because he wants us to learn to trust him. You're beginning to see that. So I want you to write this out. You know it by heart. But sometimes we forget it because we want all the answers up front right now. Following God is simply a day-by-day, realistically, a moment-by-moment. It's a relationship. So I have to have my ears open to God, not just in my quiet time in the morning. Because all day... I want to be in conversation with God. Prayer, two-way conversation. And I've been trying to practice that more often. Because sometimes, you know what it's like when you do your devotions in the morning quiet time? You write in your journal, you close it, and off we go. I kind of want to leave it open during the day. Because I want him to be speaking to me all day long. Because we have conversations. Stop and speak to that person. God, I need help in this situation. Today, Linda and I are on the phone with some things, doing some insurance stuff and all that kind of stuff. And we're praying, God, we need you to give us direction. We need you whatever all day long. Today, Pastor Mark told you that God has decided to remove King Saul as king. It was interesting to hear Saul's response, false humility, and then the desperation that stems from pride. You also heard God's response to Samuel's mourning over Saul's removal and Samuel's humble repentance. The lesson there is that when you make a mistake, 
you should get right with God. Get up and get going forward. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. You'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the Ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue this teaching. He will talk about Samuel's task of finding and anointing the new king, his concerns about Saul finding out, and God's rebuke of Samuel. You'll learn the importance of trusting God's leading, especially when he's given specific direction. Just because you can't see the whole road ahead doesn't mean that he doesn't see it. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through this series, The Life of David. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Let us hear your lessons.